0: Okay. Hello, everyone. It's time for the MTG Goldfish Podcast, informing you that we're not going to have Richard today. So, it's just me and Seth holding down the fort. So, you you ready, Seth? I
1: think I'm ready.
0: All right. No Richard. He's, he's going sightseeing. Hopefully he has a good trip. We'll have him back. Let's make it a good one. Let's do it. On our plate, we're going to talk about the GPs, right? And... We're gonna do uh we're gonna talk a little bit about the IQs too. So we got GP Toronto, GP Sao Paulo Paulo, and the IQs, so Portland and all of those. So interesting stuff coming out of those um, out of those tournaments, right, Seth?
1: Yeah, there's definitely some uh some new developments, uh both in modern this IQs and uh in the standard GPs. Definitely I mean, uh there's a lot of the same stuff, but there was also some new that's pretty exciting.
0: Yeah. So as always, uh, you can follow myself, uh, at Snap Bolt, uh, Seth here at Saffron Olive or at MTGGoldfish.com. And we're also going to tackle, so this morning, as of now, when we were recording, so Monday, we have some Modern Master spoilers, some official Modern Master spoilers that we can talk about, Seth. So none of this unconfirmed stuff. Uh, even though, um, Still technically, that list is not 100% debunked yet, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think actually, either way, there's a pretty good shot that most of those cards end up in the set. Like everyone's yeah. been expecting it, so so
0: I'm not expecting that list to be too wrong. Yeah. So let's let's tackle uh let's tackle the uh, the modern master stuff first. Sounds good, right? Let's do it. Yeah. So there was quite the scare, actually, so we all, we all thought uh, Magma was going to be in there, but luckily that was fake. So let's go ahead and do the actual stuff that's in there. And as of today, uh, let me just pull this up real quick. We have some commons, we have some uncommons, and some rares, and a mythic. So we have Mox Opal, uh, we got Daybreak Coronet, Miran Crusader, Primeval Titan, Cranial Plating and Dismember, both at Uncommon. Uh, Vampire Lacerator, Stormblood Berserker at Uncommon. Goblin Fireslinger, Rusted Relic, Bloodthor- Bloodthrone Vampire, excuse me. And Edric Saar, Master Breeder. <laughs> so, just, uh, initial reaction, Seth. Well, I mean, the rares are pretty
1: excellent.
0: Daybreak Coronet,
1: super expensive, uh, to be reprinted. Uh, Primetime, that's an interesting one. I, I'm guessing that means they're just printing Primeval Titan and not the whole cycle, but I guess we don't know for sure yet uh, because that list is unconfirmed. Uh, As far as the lower rarities, Cranial Plating is a fine reprint. Rusted Relic and Vampire Lacerator, all that stuff is basically limited fodder. Dismember matters a lot more online because it's actually really expensive on Magic Online at the moment. Um, and Mox Opal I'm excited about. Like, a few weeks ago, that Cheerios modern deck came out, and I really want to play that deck, because I love Monastery Mentor, but I haven't wanted to buy Mox Opals, because I kn- knew they were going to get reprinted, so I'm yep. hoping that in another month, I'll be on the Cheerios plan.
0: So, actually, a lot of people were talking about Retract, so we'll kind of see if that's in there or not, but, um, that could be something that dodges a, a reprint. That seems like Um, yeah. Another one that was spoiled at rare, just so everyone knows, is Noble Hierarch. So that's a big one too, right Seth?
1: Yeah, that's one of the most expensive cards in modern, and uh, being at rare is nice because it's actually going to show up a reasonable amount of the time if you're drafting or opening boxes.
0: Yeah. One that certainly needed to be in the set, so at rare, I think it's doing, I think Wizards is doing a good job putting Everything that needs to be in there, in there at the right rarities so far, right? I mean, I don't know what everyone's deal is. I guess people were just skeptical at that list, or I guess everyone was just kind of saying that, oh, everyone was, could just, we were all s- speculating on that kind of list already. I mean, what did you expect to be in there? I mean, really, what was, what was everyone expecting to be in this set? I mean, do you really just think, like, Wizards is incompetent and they can't put in good stuff? So, like, here we are. On Monday now, and we're seeing uh, a card that I was saying uh, at rare would even still be gas, like Daybreak Coronet. We have obviously Noble Hierarch is amazing at rare. So the mythics and the rares, I mean, the stuff that they're putting in there, I mean, this is this is a lot of value in this set. I mean, minus like Edric Sar, so that might be some feel bads uh, going on if you open that. But um, in terms of like a limited, that that should be in there at rare, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we can see a couple themes developing. With Endrixar, we also get Bloodthrone Vampire, so it seems like there's some sort of, like, make-a-bunch-of-random-creatures-and-sacrifice theme, which happens to fit... Sorry about that.
0: Aristocrats.
1: Uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of an aristocrat thing. And we also see a uh, Bloodthirst theme uh, with Goblin Fireslinger and Stormblood Berserker, which is a weird one, because what rares could we possibly want that fit into a Bloodthirst theme? Is there? I, uh that's a that's a Google right there, right? I don't think there is. I think there's a mythic vampire from like M thirteen that was like
0: Bloodlord of Vast Something that was completely horrible. Uh <laughs> uh you got like a Scargan Firebird from uh from a dual deck and it was also in the first Ravnica block. Well the, the there we go. That that's just what I was hoping for in Modern Masters. Yes, car, yeah, Firebird, yeah, man. <laughs> uh Falcon Wrath Marauders. No, that doesn't really have bloodthirst. So yeah, it's like the looking like the Firebird. <laughs> if you want another like sub like two dollar card in your ten dollar pack, there you go. With the sacrifice theme though, um,
1: Bitter Blossom seems like a really natural fit. Like yeah so I yeah. I think that to me
0: suggests that Bitter Blossom is very likely in at rare. Yep, and that would be really good. I mean, coupled with the fact that it's not it, it hasn't seen a lot of play in modern recently. So I think that coupled with a reprint would would put this down to a modest price. Uh would you tend to agree?
1: Yeah, I think so. There's just not a whole lot of demand outside of casual at the moment. So I think, uh, I think it definitely needs to be in. And I like that they figured out a way of doing it without just doing fairies again. Like, assuming that right. it is in, it's not like we're just playing fairies again in limited. It looks like we have this, like, token sacrifice theme, which is way more interesting.
0: Yeah, a- absolutely. So there's a lot to be taken away from, like, the limited setting of this and what could possibly be in there. Uh, based on these spoilers, now, again, that list is not completely debunked, but, um, what, what are you anticipating uh, seeing in there now? I mean, even, like, Miran Crusader kind of supports this kind of enchantment theme with Daybreak Coronet um, and, and equipment-type stuff. So maybe some off chance that, like, stuff like, I don't know, like Loxodon Warhammer or something like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, there definitely could be some uh, some other equipment in there. So far, I think it's just cranial plating. Uh, there's obviously a Metalcraft theme, which... Uh... Right. I don't, what cards do you really want for that? I mean, S-Champion is good, Mox Opal is good, but that's another, like, some of these archetypes are odd, because they don't have a lot of super, like, high-powered tournament rares uh, that fit in their archetype, or with their mechanic.
0: Yeah, you know, it's kind of weird. I mean, we might see cards like Tempered Steel, um, you know, that's like kind of a fringe enchantment that kind of lends itself to those themes. Um, I mean, other than that, I mean, like, maybe Dispatch is, like, an uncommon Pure Steel Paladin probably seems like a lock into this set.
1: Well, I mean, if they put Pure Steel, that means they definitely are going to make some more, uh, equipment. Like, there's no way they're going to put that in there and not have on Warhammer, or maybe even Swords again. Like, it's not
0: impossible that they stick No, in it's the- not impossible, because, um, with... Uh, with uh, what is it? Twin going down to rare, so that frees up like another mythic slot. Again, assuming that this like that list is gonna hold true for now. Um, maybe a batter skull. So there's still stuff that can make it in there. I think one
1: one thing that list has supporting it is Emerkal is number three, like as far as its card number. And um, colorless cards are actually different than artifacts. So there has to be two colorless cards, uh, meaning basically Aldrazi, uh, before Emmerichal in the set. And one of those almost certain, there's only three options, uh, All is Dust, Artisan of Kozilek, and something else. So All of Dust is almost guaranteed to actually be in the set just because of the number breakdown, which is another thing that actually supports that list maybe being true.
0: Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. So I, I think, I'm thinking, well, with the numbers, like you just brought, broke down, so all is dust and probably artisan in there as well is probably a lock. And then we add the artifacts after that, right? Because...
1: Emmerichol and maybe more Eldrazi and then the artifacts start, yep.
0: Right. Okay. The list is not debunked yet, but we're having some confirmed stuff in here, so it's a lot to talk about. Um. so let's... So... We have a kind of our initial reactions, and I'm I'm really liking this so far. I I mean, Wizards, like you said, you said this last cast, Seth. Wizards has done a really good job. They've been, you know, batting a thousand with most of the sets since about what Innistrad. Yeah,
1: they've been
0: doing pretty well. Yeah, I think so. So this is just showing that they're 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 competent at making good sets, and you know, they're continuing that trend with this. I mean, they're putting a ton of value in this set, and a lot of these cards really needed a reprint.
1: Yeah, the value is huge. Like, I, I think there's a decent chance that this actually is more valuable than the original Modern Masters once we see the entire set spoiled.
0: Yeah. So, shifting, uh, let's shift to, you know, a, a finance. I mean, again, it's just me and Seth here, so you're probably going to get a lot of finance stuff when it's just me and him. So, uh, but we are going to talk about the, the Star City game stuff uh, later on in the cast. So, do you think this pushes up the MSRP of boxes or, because I still see them going, I mean, they're moving up a little bit into like the 240 still, but to like the more higher end 250, 260 range. Um, you know, with so many boxes being purchased at MSRP now, I mean, it's pretty much a lock. Most of these are going to go down.
1: As far as the individual card prices? Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, No, I agree with
1: that. I think, I mean, some of the Mythics might not go down an extreme amount. Like, if they're four-of Mythics, like, not to talk about Tarmogoyf again, but Tarmogoyf yeah. will de- decrease, but it has a better shot than X uh, Champion or something, just because it's played as a four-of and it's at Mythic. Uh, but all the rares are going to go down a lot. Like, there's no way around it, and the Uncommon's even more so.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, and not to use Tarmogoyth, I mean, uh, we keep talking about Tarmogoyf, <laughs> but I'm just going to use it briefly You know, but something like Tarmogoyf is a little different than, let's say, Vendillion Click, where it's now its second printing, and it's not as ubiquitous as Tarmogoyf, right? Like, this may drive the price of a Vendillion Click down more so than, let's say, a Tarmogoyf. Oh, definitely. uh, In terms of, like, rebounding, too.
1: And, I mean, I think even better examples might be some, uh, like, an Elish Norn or something, assuming that really is in the set. Like, that's a one-of in modern, in, like, fringe gift stacks. And it's a one-of and casual, too, in EDH. So, like, the amount of demand needed to keep Elish Norn
0: not, up in value is way more than it is for Tarmogoyf. Right. Or even, I mean, I would even go out on a limb and say most of these uh, giant, like the big Eldrazi, maybe Sands, may, probably maybe just a, a Miracul, uh, will probably hold a good amount of its price. I mean, the others aren't really used in modern or in, in a constructed construct environment. But a miraculous is, so, but maybe there's, like, that casual demand that keeps them afloat pretty much, like, forever.
1: Yeah, I think they'll maintain value forever, but it's kind of the same way. Like, those are cards that, if you're playing casual, you really want one copy of for your EDH exactly. stack or something. You don't need four copies.
0: <laughs> yeah. We're all going to be eagerly awaiting your EV uh, analysis here soon in the coming weeks, but... I mean, these spoilers are starting off strong in terms of what's actually in the set, in a limited setting, and just in finance too, right? Yeah, the set looks awesome all around from all of
1: those perspectives. It looks like it's a home run. My only worry is that it actually ends up being extremely limited and people don't get to play with it that much because it looks like a great set to play and to open.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, there there has been some rumblings, you know, of these weird distributions and... Uh, uh, we have accounts of you know only one wave to certain distri- uh, distributions and 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 stores so i don't know if that's unanimous or just weird uh allocations to certain parts of the country or there could be that dual uh, situation where a lot of the supply reserve is going to be at these gps because i mean we're at like unprecedented numbers in these gps now yeah, those GPs are going to be huge. Like uh yeah. un- that's
1: going to be an insane weekend. So yeah.
0: I mean, if we're I mean, if we're north, I mean, we you mentioned a you mentioned a number last cast like 95,000 packs are going to be opened. I mean, if we're opening north of 100,000 packs, I mean, that's still even if it's not not you know, even if that's not counting the the limited amount of supply of You know, even one wave of most of these stores getting, you know, a few cases each, that's still a lot of packs and products to be opened. Oh, yeah. Uh, So while maybe people might not be able to draft this for as long as, say, Modern Masters, um, it still may be drafted for a good few weeks or so as these stores are running out of supply and they just keep firing these drafts. So hopefully the limited environment is good enough to keep people coming back and opening up products.
1: I think it will be. The first one, literally, it ranks up there as one of the best draft sets they've ever made. Like, it's gotta be top five of all time. Like, it was very well done. So I, I have faith that they'll be able to do that again.
0: Right. And, and Richard mentioned last cast, and you agreed. So, and it is, a, a lot of that, uh, allure to the set is that it's kind of like a cube, right? So a lot of people like cubing.
1: Yeah. I mean, the power level is just so much higher than, uh, drafting cons block or something because you have all these, you have like 10 or 15 years worth of powerful cards that they can choose from. So it really does feel, uh, sort of like a slightly watered down version of Q, but I mean, you don't get to, uh, like in a normal set, there might be two or three mythics that are super insane in modern masters. Every mythic is super insane.
0: Yeah. Uh, another thing I wanted to touch on is, um, So, the cards omitted from this set are just as important to note and watch. Would you go out on a limb here and say, uh, until the spoilers are over, would you be speculating on any kind of cards that could be in this range? Now, I understand on the article today, uh, from Marrow, uh, just using this as as an example that, like, Ink Moth Nexus is kind of up in the air because they're not having Infect in the set, like, as a, as a theme. So does that mean that any Infect card can't just make it in? Because we did see in the first Modern Masters that a card like Blood Moon makes it in, and it really didn't have any limited—it didn't really serve a purpose in limited at all. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really
1: good question. I'm not 100% sure. I tend to think that, uh, to use your example, the Ink Moth won't be in— But it's not impossible. Like, it works well with Cranial Plating. It does fit in, like, Affinity decks in Modern. It could just be, like, a value Affinity card. So there's a chance that it still shows up. I think what that really says, though, is, like, some of the commons and uncommons that I was very confident would be reprinted, Blighted Agent and all these other cards that are exclusively in FET cards in Modern, they have another couple years to grow because they're not going to get put back in Standard anytime soon.
0: Right. And, uh, yeah, without having a a large infect theme. So, but what I like to do, you know, to kind of give advice to people listening to the podcast and financiers out there, I I wouldn't really pull the trigger until the entire spoiler is out, but that's just me. I mean, if you lose out on a, on a low buy-in, like on on a card like Ink Moth Nexus, then I, I would say so be it. But I mean, you're really making, you're, you're hedging your bet on not just going in on a card that could still potentially be in the set. And I mean- So you're kinda of saving your money.
1: And the other thing we talked about last week is just cause something doesn't make it in Modern Masters doesn't mean that it's not getting reprinted. Like, it could show up in the fall or in the Modern Event Deck next spring or in Commander. So just because it doesn't show up here doesn't mean it's never gonna get reprinted anywhere.
0: Yeah. I mean, there would be a nice opportunity, uh, to have it spike just because it's not in there and to purchase it and sell into that spike would be great. Um, but again, it's just tricky with this because, you know, you don't want to today buy an Ink Moth Nexus on a Monday and then tomorrow, Tuesday the 5th, they're saying, oh, Ink Moth Nexus is is in the set, but I mean, there's still no Infect. I mean, that could still happen. So, I would just be, I would just play it safe. I mean, the, the, the 10 or 12 bucks that you're gonna spend, you could just buy more abrupt case. Honestly, it's all about opportunity costs as well sometimes uh, in this market.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I, I mean, you're not losing much by waiting another couple weeks just to, uh, to see what happens. So I don't think the price is going to spike too high in the next week or two.
0: Yeah, and especially, like, I mean, even if it does, right, Seth, there's still other very good opportunities to purchase non-reprinted cards. Like, there's still very attractive targets out there as well. Oh,
1: definitely. And if you look, if you look back through the price histories of cards from uh, the original Modern Masters that didn't get reprinted but were in popular archetypes, most of those didn't like shoot up immediately. It was three months, six months later when
0: uh, a big GP comes around or whatever. That's when the big increases came. Yeah, I mean, you really it, it varies. I mean, I I wrote an article. I mean, I have literature out there about this. I mean, some some cards like you just said. It takes a while, but a card like, you know, some some don't take very long at all. But again, I, I would just be safe. I mean, you're doing yourself a very good justice by just waiting until the whole spoiler is out there. It's not going to spike tomorrow. So, uh, but don't quote me. <laughs> and I wonder because stranger things have happened. <laughs> I wonder how much of those immediate
1: spikes can be attributed to the finance community and speculation. Like, how much of that is players, and how much of that is a bunch of people like us saying, oh, Ink Mouth Ink is a buy, everyone goes and buys it, and the price goes up.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, I mean, it's happened before. I mean, like, uh, the best card I can highlight for this is a card like Fulminator Mage, which basically spiked, like, the, the, the very next month of Modern Masters when it wasn't included. And I tend to think that was more the finance market than just all these players suddenly, you know, wanting Fulminator Mage. It could have been a little bit of both, but I, I always tend to think it's largely due to the finance market um, driving up the price than a whole bunch of players suddenly rushing out to get Fulminator Mage after Modern Masters was released. And I think
1: it takes a lot less financiers to move a card price than it does players, because players are buying Fulminator Mage, what, two or three copies for your sideboard? When it's yep. nothing for some of the uh, big financial people to go out and buy a 100 copies or 200 copies and drop a few thousand dollars on a card they feel so, uh, very strongly about. Yeah.
0: You know, especially because buying out that many copies pretty much ensures that you're going to get your money back, plus more. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. When when players go on and they see a deck list that they want to play or they they need them for their sideboard, they're going to get the exact amount of copies that are played you know, in a pro's deck or in X archetype, they're not going to go out and buy, like, 100, 100 copies. So the supply drying up that fast, I tend to lean towards the, the finance community. Yeah.
1: No, I'm with you on that. I think that, I, I mean, players play a part in it too, of course, but I think a lot of it does have to uh, do with the finance community.
0: Right. So, again, that's a really good example, I can say, for Fulminator Mage. A lot of them, um, they tend to creep up and then finally spike. Uh but you know, certain cards like Fulminator Mage, there there are cards out there that may spike very uh, abruptly. Not too no pun intended, I guess, but <laughs> <laughs> Right after the Modern Masters release. Um so any anything to add to this? I, I don't I mean really when it comes to the finance in terms of Modern Masters My advice is always, whenever you see a card spoiled, just buy, list it, or sell it. I mean, my my approach to Modern Masters is clearly defined in my writing. Um, You can find it on various websites. You can ask me. Um, I I think selling your old copies and repurchasing new copies is the best way to go. It requires the most amount of work, but I think you're really going to be saving yourself a lot of hardship time and money doing that little bit of extra work than just sitting on the sidelines and not knowing what to do. So if you don't agree with me, that's perfectly fine. But I mean, there's really not much to say uh, about modern masters 2015. I mean, we're going to be doing spoilers on the cast. Me and Seth obviously tweet about uh, the spoilers as they go up. We'll probably have like our little financial anecdotes, but I mean, that's my approach. I don't know what your approach is. Seth, do you deal in sealed product, Uh, on this at all because I don't well I mean I've never
1: been the type of guy to buy a bunch of booster boxes and stick them in my closet for a few years that's never been my thing if I buy a sealed product it's usually because I analyze the EV and discover I can open it and sell it real quick for like a quick flip type of profit and I just don't have enough information yet to know if that's possible with modern masters I'll I'll start uh, researching that more probably next week once we have most of that spoiled
0: yeah so again, we'll be eagerly awaiting your EV, uh, analysis because, um, again, I don't deal in the sealed product, but if it's enticing enough, I mean, it, it would be beneficial to go in on sealed product, right? If it's so, if it's easy enough to make money on it.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you can expect to open $350 worth of cards at like, yeah. list value and buy a box for $250, like, that's just a free hundred dollars, like for yeah, a, like a couple no-brainer. hours of work, and you get to crack a box, which is so much fun. Like you get to defeat the big rule of MTG finance that you never crack sealed product. So you're kind of like cheating the system. Get to have yeah. fun and make
0: money all at the same time. Yeah, I mean, isn't awesome. that really what it's all about? It it is. Yeah, but for the most part, um, so there's there's multiple ways to go about it. I I tend to think the the buy list repurchased method is the best. Obviously, a lot of other financiers out there are, you know, may disagree. Uh, they have their own kind of, uh, method and approach to this. But, you know, we're going to be, we're going to be talking about this on the cast. So I'm sure it'll come up again, <laughs> just like Tarmagoif. But, uh, that, that's my take on it. Um, but we'll be with you every step of the way for the, for the, uh, spoilers and, um, I think uh, I think this is a really good value set, Seth. I think it's really they're really nailing it.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. I wanted to say too. I think my approach is kind of the opposite of yours. I wait to see what they spoil. Maybe something that they even bump down to rare, uncommon, and then go buy as many copies as possible because that's uh, that's going to make me a ton of money. Yeah, really? You think so? <laughs> that's that's uh that's what it sounds like on Twitter, right? You yeah wanna, I guess, you wanna I keep or buy the cards that are reprinted i don't I don't know anymore. <laughs> my my head wants to uh, explode I don't get it I don't get it either
0: <laughs> i just i mean i just it just feels like leaving money on the table I don't know so I'm, if there's yeah if there's like if that's your thing, I guess keep doing it but I don't know, yeah, I agree. You know, because it's like I just feel like a broken record sometimes, to be honest.
1: Yeah, especially about Tarmogoyf. It's been like oh, six months we've been talking about Tarmogoyf.
0: We have seventeen episodes, and I think Tarmogoyf has come up in every single episode. I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> seventeen weeks of Tarmogoyf in literally every episode. <laughs> oh. Um, let's let's talk about Star City Games. Enough about. I mean, sometimes like i love finance i love modern masters and i love all this stuff but sometimes it's like too much
1: yeah and we don't it's only been one day of spoilers we'll have a lot yeah. more to talk about next week
0: yeah all right so i think we're gonna start with the legacy iq we, me and seth were just discussing we're missing richard this week but this would have been the perfect week for richard richard ah joel is so if anyone didn't hear the cast uh Joe Lissette, uh, was playing Miracles last week, but he won the IQ this week with Miracles. And in the top eight, we have two copies of Dead Guy Ale. And that's Richard's, like, pet deck, isn't it? That is the black-white, uh, Gatekeeper of
1: Malachar deck. That's Richard's, uh, thing. Yeah. No there's, there's actually two of, of them, you're right.
0: Yeah. No, <laughs> uh, there, you know oh, what really no. makes me sad is none of these have Richard's insane tech in there, so. That's actually kind of disheartening.
1: That's true. What is it, Gerard's verdict? Was that? Oh no, a, there is there is one with
0: gatekeeper. There is There's a gatekeeper. You're right,
1: but no yes.
0: Gerard's uh, verdict. Gerard's <laughs> verdict, no. Uh, but they, they, they're they're catching on to the gatekeeper of Malakir Tech. So that's I, perfect. I wonder if maybe Richard shipped these guys. We'll have to ask him
1: if he knows Adam Brown or uh, Peter Cottle. Uh, or Peter Cottle. Cattel. Cattel. Maybe Richard uh, shipped him his list. Cattel. Cattel.
0: Yeah. I got Peter right, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> people just have to accept that we're really bad with names on this cast. So I know we've gotten uh, comments that's about the one that thing before. I but I think people just have to realize that that's just that's just going to be a thing on this cast from now on. <laughs> we're just really bad with names. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we'll, yeah, we'll that's, let, that's... yeah, we'll let Richard weigh in on these, uh, the legacy, uh, next week, in addition to the legacy the following week, but, um, uh, Seth, which, which, uh, event did you want to cover? Let's go through uh, these.
1: All right. Uh, well, it's, uh, I got the modern Premiere IQ up at the moment, Yep. which, uh, actually turned out to be pretty spicy. We talked about the... Collected Company list uh, last week a little bit with Anna Fenza and kind of the um, the old Birthing Pod type combo, that deck actually took down first place as a Premier IQ this week, running four Anna Fenzas and four Collected Company.
0: Yeah, so what is that F4 Court of Calling? And I'm seeing in Court of Calling show up a lot, not just in this deck. Um, there's a lot of these kind of white-green lists running around with Cord in it also. So, I mean, Cord might be making a comeback. But, um, so what are you? Yeah, I mean,
1: it is super cheap.
0: Yeah. What are you thinking about this collected company list now? I know for a couple weeks there that this list kind of was missing the top eight, but, I mean, it took down an IQ. I mean, that's just the start of it, right?
1: Yeah, I mean I'm uh, I'm warming to it. I was very anti this when Collected Company was spoiled, uh, and then it kept showing up and I was kind of, "Eh, all right, whatever." But now I got to give it some props. I mean, taking down first place at a Premier
0: IQ is a pretty big
1: accomplishment, and it means this deck actually can compete in tier 1.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of players at this uh at these events, right? I don't know
1: exa- the exact number. It's a Premier IQ, but it has to be several hundred. Like it's typically 2-300. So right. a decent amount.
0: Yeah, and getting first place, I mean, this is big news for the Collected Company list. So what does that mean in terms of uh, Collected Company and, and Offenza as well? Well,
1: maybe, I mean, this was a big Collected Company weekend. We'll talk about it more when we get to the standard IQ, but I mean, or the standard open. But the, the fourth place deck that lost in the semis, was Mono Blue Devotion and Standard Splashing Green to play for Collected Company. So yeah, Collected insane. Company is definitely looking pretty good.
0: Yeah. Did you notice the 12th place list on the uh, Modern Premiere IQ? This is definitely a list for you, Seth. So it's a blue-white control deck, and look what's in there, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's our good friend, Dragonlord Ojutai.
1: Oh, I had heard some rumblings that people were losing to him on Magic Online this week in Modern, uh, but I didn't expect it to show up um,
0: at the premiere IQ. That deck looks awesome. That is totally a deck I would play. Yeah, uh, I mean, when you're playing Silmgar Scorn in Modern, I think you're doing something right. Also, Valorous Stance. That's another one I haven't seen make
1: its way into Modern.
0: Yeah, well, I mean it looks pretty good in a field full of uh Taziger, Siege Rhino and Tarmogoyfs, so that's good.
1: Yeah. No, that's it's pretty impressive.
0: So and the a singleton
1: lot... sword of light and shadow,
0: I I gotta play this deck. Yeah, definitely. Uh so the modern IQ was looking pretty spicy, I gotta admit. Um, very interesting stuff going on in modern uh white black tokens showing up in the top eight. With a couple copies of Secure the Wastes, uh, and Sol, uh, Sorum Solemn Visitor, which is, uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, uh, that's shown up in the junk builds
1: before too. I think that card's actually modern playable.
0: Yeah, it's very good. Uh, four, four mana walkers sometimes make it into modern. Um, I know for a while people were playing Chandra Pyromaster, uh, Ajani Vengeant. Um, and this card seems like it's doing a lot for four mana in not just the tokens deck, but in Avzan lists as well. So, could also be another card to look at in the coming months. Um, I think it's trending down to, like, all-time lows right now. Yeah.
1: No, I think it is, uh, it is very low at the moment. Maybe $8, somewhere around there.
0: Yeah. Um... So, let's transition. So, we have Grand Prix Toronto. Um, pretty big EV event. Um, a lot of stuff going on in this event. So, for the, uh, first through eighth place deck list, we have Abzan Control, White, Black, Red. So, this looks like, uh, Mardu Control, Mardu, yeah, Modern, Mardu Dragons? Mardu Stuff? Mar- We'll just Mardu say Mardu. something. Mardu stuff. Uh, Bant. Uh, that Ojutai Bant list. It's kind of mid range with uh Den protectors and Deathmist Raptors. Um, Brad Nelson playing Abzan Aggro with Jermoka's command. Some more Abzan control. Another Bant list, and then Craig Wesco playing a white green. Collected company list. Interesting. So another collected company list, uh, showing up in the Toronto, uh, Grand Prix. Yeah, that card was everywhere this weekend. Yeah, seems like it. Um, and then some, some basic, um, you know, Esper drag Dragon Control. Red Green Dragons, Atarka Sly, Blue Black, so very typical stuff. Um, Any thoughts on Toronto, or should we just keep going? Well, just the big news was, I think there
1: was, they said, 25 den Protectors in the top eight decks. So that was, like, apart from Collective Company, that was the big winner of the event, I think. Just that card
0: was everywhere in every color combination, usually alongside
1: Deathmas Raptor.
0: yeah. Uh, in terms of finance, is this a purchase, or just it, it, there's no real incentive here? It's already pushing
1: $6. I don't, don't really think it can go uh, too much higher than that. So I, I wouldn't
0: uh, be buying them at the moment. All right. So moving along, um, and, and I feel the same way. So Grand Prix Sao Paulo, um, Esper Dragon, Esper Dragon, Red Green, Red Green Devotion, Atarka Sly a couple um, Abzan agros, a lot more Esper Dragon control. So a lot of Esper Dragon control.
1: Yeah, basically, Esper Dragons, uh, the the Tarka red deck, and
0: Abzan agro. That was pretty much the whole top 16. Yeah, uh, Vagnar Cassetti, though, 13th uh, place, another collected company list. Um, with Avatar the Resolute, so, like, green, white, just stuff. Uh, looks a lot like Craig Wesco's deck. Aspect of the Hydra is interesting as well. Hmm. Um, yeah.
1: So this one's more green than white, then. Wesco's deck, I think, uh, t- uh, trended a little more towards the white side. This one is mono-green, splashing white for Fleece Mane and Dromoka's Command.
0: Right, yeah. So the, uh, And v- Valor's Stance. And then some uh, some stuff in the sideboard. But this is... Yeah, more white base than green. Because we're seeing Mastery of the Unseen, Arishine Cleric uh as a way to combat the Atarka Sly lists, uh just a two mana one three that gains you three life. Um, so yeah, this is more green or er, yeah, green oriented. Yep. So very minimal splash. Um, so let's move along to are we are we missing anything? The IQ right for a standard. Oh
1: oh yeah, we did uh, we did miss that. Uh, let me uh, pull that up real quick. I thought so. I had here's it
0: here. the uh, Nick Pertinell the blue green collected company list. So this is interesting. Very 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 interesting. Um, any financial implications here? I mean. I don't know if there's anything worthwhile in here. I mean, Master of Waves is already kind of high as it is, um, sitting at about $6, but it's a card that's going to rotate. So uh most of this this stuff is going to rotate.
1: Yeah, I think that's the big problem, is this deck is really has a limited time frame on it, another three, four months, and all these, this whole deck
0: has gone from standard, basically. Yeah. Pretty diverse top eight. We got Whip, we got some Abzan Aggro, we got that blue green list, mono green devotion, blue black, a targa sly, another Abzan aggro, and then some interesting stuff um, top thirty two we have another Mardu stuff deck. I'm just gonna call it that for now. A teamer list with Sarkhan Unbroken. And this was actually played on that, uh, standard super series, like, Tuesday. I think this was a deck list that was played on that stream.
1: This yeah, is very close Andrew to what was
0: played. Yeah.
1: Kunio played it, I think, on the stream.
0: Yeah, so this was very close to that list. Um, so interesting stuff. A, yeah, pretty Nihil diverse. List. Yeah, Nih- a Nihilist popped up too. Whisperwood Elemental, Elish, uh, Elspeth, Zinagos, Mastery of the Unseen, a lot of Jamocha's Command, damn. A lot of Jomoka's Command. Card's good. Yeah, it's very good. Um, and a lot of, like you said, a lot of collected company as well across all of these tournaments.
1: Yeah, definitely an impressive weekend for that card, which really was boring order line for standard when it got spoiled but people are making it work and i got to watch some of the the you green devotion deck and collected company is the reason to play that deck you can play it and hit a Thassa and a um and another card and basically turn on almost guaranteed to turn on your Thassa if you hit like a short Crash or elemental and a Thassa. just such a good card in that deck
0: yeah and again, an instant speed at the end of their turn is is insanely good in that deck. Um, having a Thassa to be able to attack on the on your turn, basically giving it like a pseudo haste, is pretty good. Cedric Phillips also hitting the top eight, so congratulations to him. Big fans over here of Cedric Phillips uh running a Tarka slide. So a lot of people on that deck still. Very good. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it is. It is very. It is very powerful. I
0: hate it, but it's good. <laughs> hey, it does splash green. Okay, come on. I guess that makes it a little better. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that does it for the the tournaments that gone that have gone on this past weekend. Um, if you have any more questions for anything that we've covered so far, just tweet at myself and Seth, and um. Let's get to the fish mail. Okay, for the fish mail this week, we have a couple... Well, we have one question and then one comment. Let me just pull these up. All right, so our good pal, Guo, um, looks like what you've mentioned about Dark Confidant in an MTG fish mail podcast a while back is coming true. And what he's referring to, Seth, is... Uh, I think we mentioned... I can't remember exactly which cast it was, but I think we were talking about how um you know Dark Confidant and Snapcaster Made should be like switching values almost that uh Snapcaster should trend up towards where Dark Confidant uh was, I guess, in that seventy dollar ish range and Dark Confidant should be coming down. Um and presumably if it's in the set, I mean it's still unconfirmed right now, if it's in Modern Masters twenty fifteen I mean, I think that would really tank the value. In
1: yeah. addition
0: to already not seeing play. Yeah,
1: that's. I mean, that's why it'll tank the value is it's not seeing play anywhere. Like it. Uh, I mean, it's just nowhere at the moment in modern. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, Google making a great observation. Certainly seems like the sky's the limit on Snapcaster Mage. I mean, without that reprint, I mean, I don't really know where they fit it in, but I mean, it's just going to keep trending, and this happens. I mean, basically every single year, right? Yeah, I mean, I'd be looking for the next Modern Masters two years from now, but
1: I they have never put like a seventy dollar card in a Commander deck yet, so I and I don't think they'll let it back in Standard, so it's gonna have some time to grow.
0: Yeah, um, but I mean, of course, at a certain point, I mean, if you're holding these, you're you're gonna have to start. I mean, you, regardless of a reprint, I mean, it's just safe to let them go. Um, and take your profit, right? Yeah,
1: definitely. I mean, if you bought in at $20 and they get up to $70, that's some really good money. Do you really need to push your luck to make another 10 bucks?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just, that's just greed right there. Yeah. Um, But we have an actual question. So this is actually a really good question, Seth. So you ready for this one? I'm ready. All right. So Sean, at 3-3 three, three Beast, um asks us, uh, I'm transitioning to Modern and pre-ordered a case of Modern Masters 2015. Should I leave anything sealed or open it at all? Ugh. Well, like I said earlier, uh, sealed
1: product and sticking it underneath my bed or in my closet isn't really my uh, area of expertise. Um, and as far as cracking it, it's kind of too early to tell, so I'm I'm not sure how to answer this one at the moment.
0: Yeah, I think um short term i would wait till seth's EV article (laughs) right (laughs) so i mean if seth right i mean we we were just talking about this earlier in the cast i mean if you are crunching the numbers and you come out and you we have an ev that's like 350 and you're buying the boxes at msrp i mean that's a no-brainer i would be cracking them then and just take profit right right definitely yeah, I mean, waiting. I mean, then you're then there's the long term where I mean you could be waiting for an upwards of two years, a year and a half, just to see that kind of same hundred dollars to for these to appreciate. So, uh, seal product is tricky. Neither of us really delve into the seal product side of MTG finance. So, uh, but that would be my answer to the question. I, I mean, again, short term, just to reiterate. I would wait for the EV article. I mean, they're not really going anywhere, right? You have them, so um, just wait till they're shipped to you, crack them immediately, and sell everything if uh, the EV is uh, attractive enough when Seth prints the article. Long term, I mean, this is rough, right? Because we don't know the exact amount of allocation of this. I mean, it could be very limited, which would be good for sealed boxes, uh, for this, uh, set, but it could also be another, um, you know, a commander product where I still have my mind seasons <laughs> sitting under my bed, basically the same price that I bought them at. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's, it's tricky. Sealed, sealed product is very tricky. On top of that, it's very hard to sell, um, on any of the, Online platforms, right? I mean, the the shipping, the like, it's just a nightmare sometimes, right?
1: Yeah, it definitely isn't the easiest thing, and there's a lot of competition. You see lots of boxes
0: listed and a few that sell each month a lot of times, so it's it's not the easiest thing to do. Yeah, I mean, you could even be undercutting people, and they'll still just sit there for a while. Yeah, right. I mean these these could just be rotting on, you know, eBay or uh, TCG Player or wherever you end up selling these. I mean, maybe you would have a better chance selling on a social network like Twitter or Facebook, but, I mean, we know a couple MTG financers out there. I know Sigmund for sure, right? He was selling uh, Innistrad boxes, and it took him a while to sell them. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: And I wanted to – back to the question for one second. It sounded like um, the person asking the question wanted to get into modern as in play modern. And if your goal is to buy Modern Masters and use that to build modern decks or trade for cards for modern decks, you're definitely going to want to crack it because it's going to take a year or two to appreciate. So unless you're hoping to get into modern two years from now, you almost have to crack it by default if your goal is to build decks.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, very good. Um That's a great – that's kind of where I – was seeing him asking the question from, so I think that's the best answer we can give on all accounts of the, the question. Um, yeah, so if you're getting into modern, I mean, by all means, just if you're looking to play it, I mean, it's so far, it looks like it's jam-packed full of stuff. So, <laughs> I mean, you'll have basically a lot of the stuff you're going to need.
1: Yeah, and you should be able to trade the stuff you don't need for other stuff you need. So it seems that's not a horrible plan for getting into Modern just to buy a case of Modern Masters.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're buying a case, you should have enough left over. Um, I mean, again, I would do it quickly just in case, you know, prices start to trend back upward. I don't think they're going to trend uh, so far, uh, you know, as high as they were the previous time. But, you know, you could, you could save yourself, you know... 10 you know, 20 bucks on every Tarmogoy for every, you know, whatever else that you need. I mean, that's like $80 on a, on a set, so that, that sounds good to me. I mean, if you're not playing blue and you open five Vendillion clicks, I mean, I'd be selling or trading those cards to the cards you do need. Definitely. I mean, regardless if some of these cards dip in value or not, they're still very liquid. So...
1: People are always
0: going to want Goyfs,
1: always going to want Vendillion Clicks. They're legitimate eternal staples. Like, you're always going to be able to move them.
0: Yeah. Whether, you know, obviously they may not be the prices that they were previously, but again, like Seth said, and uh, I mentioned, it's always liquid. So that's, that's good. Um... With that being said, I think we covered everything, Seth. Right?
1: Yeah, I think we did. We got through the tournaments, talked Modern Masters,
0: fishmail. I think uh, I think that about does it. We did it. We did it. Um, this is our second cast where it's just me and you, and it, I think it ran pretty smoothly. We nailed it. Not bad. Yep. So uh, that all being said, I think this wraps up this episode of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. Uh, no Richard this weekend or this week, but we'll have him back next time, and the whole crew will be, will be back. So uh, enjoy this cast, and we'll have you guys on for next time. This is myself and Seth signing out for this episode.